Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host, Denise Messenger, for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent, I stands for using your intuition, N stands for networking, and K stands for obtaining knowledge. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience hi, in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Welcome, listeners. So glad that you're tuning in today. We're going to have a really uplifting show. We've got a great guest, Dee Woodbine. And um, a little background on her. She's one of the world's leading authorities in personal and professional development. So we're going to be talking about how you can create the life you love and I think that that's something that we all need to explore, particularly right now with the state of the world. A little more background. She's been a guest speaker at Time Warner Cable and Columbia University. It kind of goes on and on and on. <laughs> She's also authored several books. And for the past 15 years, She's had a pretty successful entrepreneurial business. So let's bring her on her show now. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. <laughs> Did I pronounce your name correctly? Is it G or? Georgia, like the state Georgia. Oh, okay, okay. Do you go by a nickname? No, Georgia. I go by Georgia. Okay, okay. <laughs> Very good. So I always like to start the show up by asking, how did you get on the path that you're on today? What's the backstory? Well, you know, I always share that, you know, it's really about getting to a place where your back is against the wall. I think when you're hit with challenges and setbacks and obstacles and pain, the biggest one of all, it kind of it forces you to question where you want to go in life. It forces you to start asking yourself that question, um, why am I here? And I think that's how it began for me, you know, dealing with, you know, a job that was unfulfilling, um, loss of my home, loss of my car, just going through different transitions, failing relationships, and really getting to that place where I could find out who Georgia Woodbine really is. And so that's what led me to this path. Ah, so you had a lot of, well, you know, in, in previous podcasts we talk about how failure actually is what brings us to, to success. Ultimately, it, it, it usually does because we learn mm-hmm. from those. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that when when you really begin to evolve, it's when you're willing to confront um, those things within you that you need to change. 
And one of the things that I always say is that, you know, you can't change what you don't confront. You have to confront whatever bad habits you have. You have to confront, um, you know, negative things that you do, whatever it is, the people that you surround yourself with. You have to change something you're doing. And a lot of times you'll hear people say, you know, I want my life to change or, you know, I want a different relationship or I want a new job or I want to lose weight. And it's always that, okay, well, what are you doing? What are you doing to change that thing? And so I think that once people start to realize that they really have the power to change anything in their lives and it's really their responsibility to to take the action to make that change happen, that nothing's really impossible once you start to really apply your mindset to make that change. Well, you know, a lot of times people get depressed, and it's hard for them to move out of that. And I'm sure that with some of the loss that you had um, in your life, how did you move out of it? Well, one of the first things that helped me is meditation. Um, Meditation changed my life. You know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, that's not going to work for me. Nothing works for me. You know, um, meditation, what it does is once you allow yourself to quiet your mind, because what happens is, think about it, how much news we watch. Think about all the things that we listen to. Think about how much time we spend on social media, um, how much time we spend on the Internet. We're so inundated with so much information, and that's really what creates depression. So it's really about being mindful with what you're spending your time doing and what you're allowing your energy to be a part of. So for me, I realized that, gosh, I really want this change. What do I need to do? And for me, you know, it was a spiritual thing. For me, it was God. For some people, it's something else. It's a higher power. For some people, it's other things. But for me, I had to get that one-on-one and say, you know what, I need change. What do I need to do to make this change? And so I started changing my habits. And one of the things that I did was start, you know, through prayer and meditation, really helped to change my mindset to Uh get out of that negative thinking. Because that's what happens. It's like once you get on that path of negative thinking, they say the average person has between 12,000 and 60,000 thoughts a day. And of those thoughts, 95% 95% are repetitive and 85% are negative. So we are so um, trained by habit to think negative because it's so much easier to always think about, well, why something won't work or what's going to happen. or It's so much easier to go sway to the negative side than the positive side, and it takes more work to think positive. So I think that that's a big part of coming out of depression is to really – um, look at who you're spending your time with and who you're surrounding yourself with. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, you um, you you wrote an interesting book. You know, total BS, body and soul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mm-hmm. think it's really terrific. It's really great. It's not a total BS And, of course, you know, in the context of it, you know, again, you're talking about having a winning attitude. Um, But but more than that, maximizing your time. Let's talk about that. 
Oh, I love talking about maximizing your time. Um, so how I break it down is looking at where you're wasting time and where you're losing time. Because you always hear people say, oh, I can't do this because I don't have enough time, or I can't pursue this goal because I don't have time, or I can't start this business because I don't have enough time. And when you really think about it, there are 168 hours in a week. So me as a life coach, when my clients say to me, you know, George, I want to write a book, but I just don't have enough time, I break it down and go back to, okay, well, let's look at all the time that you have because most people don't look at it that way. Oh, 168 hours in a week? That's a lot of hours. So what am I doing with 168 hours <laughs> a week? You know, where, where am I spending that time? And I think that once you can dissect and break down what you're doing with your time, you can laser in on how to better spend your time. So what do you do? So one of the things that I share um, in one of my online courses is that sit down and break down what you spend your time doing or where you spend most of your time, the majority of your time. So it could be at work, right, 40 hours. Uh You break that down, take that out of the 168. It could be um, extracurricular activities like working out. Um, I would say going to the gym, but a lot of people are not going to the gym right now. (laughs) But they do a lot of exercises in their homes, you know. So looking at where you're spending your time, um, how much time do you spend on the Internet? How much time do you spend on social media? I think, you know, Uh a lot of times people don't realize they're really wasting a lot of time on social media. You know, people can sit and go hours and hours. Think about it. You go on the Internet, do some research, you start looking up one thing, you get thrown off course, you're looking something else up, and the next thing you know, like three hours went by. You're like, wait a minute, what? Did I really get what I was looking for? (laughs) That is so true. You know, and you're so easily sidetracked. You know, so it's it's really about, yeah, it's really about looking at where you're losing time and how to dissect that time and how to manage it more productively. Um, One of the things I do also share is, like, for people that are really, I always talk about this, like you were talking about people that are depressed or people that are looking for change. One of the approaches I use with my life coaching is let's look at, because Sometimes when you think about all the things you need to change in your life, it's overwhelming, right? Because it's like, oh, my gosh, I want a new job. Oh, I want a new man. Oh, I want a new woman. I want this. I want a new car. I want a, you know, I want a new home. You know, it's like, okay, let's go back to what is that one big thing that you want to change in your life? What is that one big thing that's very, very important to you that you would put as a priority on your list that you want to change? And then just focus on that one thing. And once you focus on that one thing, then you can trickle down into the other areas of your life that you need to change. Because what happens is once you get that discipline, once you learn that discipline, you can apply it to every other area of your life and get on that path to reaching your goals. You know? So it's really about... I I know it. It's like I was interviewing a guest last week, and she was talking Mm -hmm. about habits. And how Mm -hmm. important it is to look at those and see if they're productive or not. And if they aren't, then you need to change those habits. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, transformation 
in life can only begin once you start letting go of all your past experiences, your past expectations, and your past preconceived notions of what you think happiness really means. I think once you start letting go of anything, it can always be difficult, and it always feels difficult. But the hardest part is especially old thought patterns and bad habits and fighting your personal pieces. You know, you're striving for this, but one of the things that I tell people to focus on is when you find that peace, it's like peace of mind. It's like it's like finding a pot of gold. It's like your awareness level opens up. You start to realize who you are, who's true self. You start to realize, wow, I have these gifts. I have these talents. I have these natural abilities. You know, my husband was telling me today, he was watching something on the news, and they were talking about what are some of the things that make people live longer. And one of the things that they said was people that have a purpose tend to live longer lives because they are doing something that they love and they're helping other people, and that's actually helping them to live longer lives, which I thought was is so amazing because I believe it's so true. Transformation in your life begins with taking action. You know, personal growth is a, is a journey. It's going to continue for the rest of your life. So why not embrace that process? When you're ready for change, nothing can stand in the way of you accomplishing your goals except how you think. So I always say if you want to change something, you have to first start with your mindset because you cannot change anything until you change your mindset. So what do I mean? If you tell yourself, you know what, I can't, I'm not, um, it's too hard, you know, you already are building blocks for yourself to achieve your goals. You're already setting yourself up to fail. So it's really about looking at some of the things in your life that you have accomplished and said, wow, if I could do this, then I could do that. If I could do that, then I could do this. So really looking at your life and seeing what things that you have done and you have accomplished to help you realize that, wow, you do have the power to make change happen. So when an individual goes through and they say to themselves, all right, I have 168 hours in a week, you know, where am I spending it? And they figure out all the different areas. And then they pick out that one particular uh, goal that they want to achieve. Mm-hmm. How do they decide how many hours to put towards it? So this is how the best way to approach achieving your goals, and this is what's worked for me that's helped me to be successful in everything that I do. Um, so I tell people I don't teach you what I don't know and I don't lead where I don't go. So one of the things that helped me with my time management was to set short-term goals. Um, when you set short-term goals, like I said, you don't overwhelm yourself. So look at, break it down. What are the things that I want to, what are three to five things I want to accomplish in the next three months? And then three to five things that I want to accomplish in the next six months, and then the next nine months, and the next 12 months. And so basically what you're doing is you're working your way backwards. So looking at it and breaking it down into what actions you need to take. Once you realize these three goals you need to accomplish in these three months, then you start to see, okay, well, what are the things that I need to do to, to achieve these goals? So I believe that it's better to start with short-term goals instead of long-term goals and breaking them up that way. 
to help you to stay focused. So if you have a major goal, you want you want us to literally break it down into short-term goals. So right. for example, if you want to if you want to write a book, then right. you have to you have to set your short-term goals, which would be, you know, I'm going to do a chapter a month mm-hmm. or <laughs> that sort of thing. Right. Or I'm going to write two hours a day. You know, like if I want to finish yeah, the book yeah. by this time, I'm going to start to implement, even if it's an hour a day or two hours a day, but I'm going to dedicate this time to writing my book. And just like you put in your calendar, you have to go to an appointment or a doctor's appointment or a dentist's appointment. This is a goal. So you could put that in your calendar the same way you would anything else that you have to, to do and break that time yeah. slot out for yourself. So you're going, to end, and you know you're going to end up in a disciplined sort of life. Absolutely. I mean, once you organize your goals, like you can organize them, what are my professional goals? What are my personal goals? What are my spiritual goals? What are my financial goals? And you could even break them up and segment them based on the different types of goals that you're trying to achieve. But breaking them down, like I said, into short periods of time so that you don't feel overwhelmed. And one of the things, too, that I always recommend is even if to put a deadline next to that goal, but even if you don't meet that deadline, you can reach a new deadline for the goal. So don't feel that pressure of, oh, my gosh, if I don't do this in three months, I'm going to die. You know, you Uh can change that date, you know, and change that time frame. But what happens is when you set a date and a deadline to that goal, what it does is without you even realizing it mentally, it's forcing you to take those actions that you need to take to achieve it. So that's really why you set the deadline to help to motivate your actions. So that's why you're, you're, you know, that's why you're doing that. But, you know, you can always feel free to, you know, expand that date and extend it, you know. So but that definitely helps you on that path. When you think of how many people today are working from their homes now, their time management probably has become um, a little difficult from the perspective that they're at home working, but they're probably having a lot of interruptions as a result. Um, Because, you know, they're at home with their families, et cetera. Right. Um, right. I don't. I don't know how people are structuring their days. I don't have a clue. <laughs> well, you know what happens. One of the things I talk about with this pandemic, I think that it, what it has done, it has shifted people's consciousness level. And so, what happens? You're is right. You, you met the the that um that mechanism that you have in you to to deal with change, that survival mode, it, it helps you to come up with strategies and ways to make things work, just like parents have to deal with right now, you know, their children doing online classes and, you know, it's uh-huh. like you just, you, it's, you just get into that survival mode and that's how we are 
as human beings, even though we haven't used that part of our brain that much, <laughs> what happens is it kicks in, and uh-huh. it's a mechanism that we have, and, and you just work around it, and you figure out ways, and you figure out solutions to those problems to make things work. So I think that people are, it's difficult at first, but once you get the hang of it, it's like, okay, this is what we have to do to make this work. Yeah, I mean, let's just say, for instance, somebody has three children and they're all school mm-hmm. age and you only have, you know, one or two computers in your house. Mm-hmm. And maybe only only one of them works, you know, with Zoom. I mean, that can't even – and then you're trying to work on top of that. You know, the parents are trying to do their jobs. I, I can't even imagine it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I know. I was wondering, like, what's going on with even – kids that don't have computers, you know, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's just when you think about everything that's going on and all the shit that's taking place, I think it's like, it's difficult for everyone, you know, but I, I don't know, like, I don't know how people are doing it, but I do believe that where there's a will, know, nobody's talking, there's a way. Nobody's talking about it. Have you heard anybody I know. talk about it? Because I certainly haven't. I know. No, because it's almost like it's there, but people are just like, I don't want to think about it right now, <laughs> you know. But school season has started already, but I don't even, I don't know how, you know. It's a rough time. It's a rough time for the students, you know. Even all those kids that haven't been able to go to their proms or haven't been able to have graduation. I mean, Gradu- oh, I know. Oh. oh my God, it's it, it's such a rough time for. I really feel bad for you know everybody that that's dealing with this right now. But you know what? I always say to people, you know, instead of thinking of all the bad, think about the good. Because right. even right. though this pandemic has, has, has created um, us feeling uncomfortable, um, it has also created some positive things. Like people, like oh, you said, yeah, that have never had the opportunity to work from home. You know, and be around uh-huh. your children and have dinner with your kids and go for walks. You know, I've never seen right. So, I mean, I love going for walks. I haven't seen so many people go for walks in my entire life, and I've been here for a long time. So, you know, <laughs> just, to see, just to see the shift in everyone and how they're really, like you said about time management, how they're learning to value the time that they have with their loved uh-huh. ones. I think that it's definitely – pushing your attention to what's important and what's a priority in your life right now. Did did you um, know that animal shelters, particularly with the smaller smaller animals, they're pretty much all adopted out? Hmm. No, I didn't know that. Uh-huh. So that's another great mm. thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really is, you know? Yeah. You know, one of the things we were talking about when you said about how people are dealing with what's going on, there's a book, and it's a book that was written, I believe, maybe in 1946. It was by Victor Frankl. It was called Man's Search for Meaning. It was about a Holocaust survivor, and he chronicles his experiences in a, in a, as a prisoner in a Nazi concentration camp during World War II. And what he does is he uses his psychological approach to find his meaning in life. 
that really helped him survive being in his concentration camp. And it also helped him identify what his purpose is. And so what he did when he got through this, he spent his life teaching what he had learned during the worst times of his life, that people can find meaning in their lives, Uh even in the most um, times of tremendous suffering, Uh you can find Uh meaning in your life. And Uh there was a quote that he said in this book that I thought was so profound. He said, everything can be taken from man, but one thing the last of human freedom to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances to choose one's own way. And I just thought that was so profound, you know? Uh-huh. I'm writing it down. Yes. It says everything can be taken from man, but one thing the last of human freedom to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances to choose one's own way. And so we have the power to choose how we react and how we respond to things. Very much so. Very much so. Now, in your in your book, you talk about, and of course, it's the title of our show today, is you know, create the life you love, and we've we've gone through a lot of the the measures that people can take to do that. Are there some others that you'd like to add? Yes, yes, absolutely. I think creating the life you love is really about finding what brings you joy. It's about Letting go, like I said, of of past experiences, expectations, and learning how to embrace change so that you can find your gifts, your talents, your, your natural abilities, your, you know, things that bring you great joy. And for me... How I was able to, to uh, how I was able to create the life that I love was sharing my failures as well as my successes, being transparent about my pain. Because I think when you create the life you love, it's always tied into a bigger purpose. It's always tied to something bigger than you, meaning that your personal life experiences and skill set and things that you've been exposed to has prepared you to teach others. And so once you allow yourself to be used in that way, that's how you create the life you love because the greatest thing in life is to know why you're here. You know how many people have left this earth and not know, like, why am I here? Why was I born? Why was I put on this earth? What was I meant to do? And they go through life and they go through the motions and they they try to fill this void, that emptiness in their life, that they're trying to use everything to fill it with drugs, with alcohol, with relationships, sex, everything you can think of to try to fill this empty space. But when you find out your purpose, that's how you create the life you love because you're tapping into a passion, um, that's allowing you 
to help other people. Uh huh. That's right. And usually, one you know, thing will lead to another. It sure will, because once you, you know, I think that, like, because you know, think about it. We're creatures of habit. We always want to know, well, how is it going to happen? Who's going to be involved? When is it going to happen? Um, you know, you want all the details. <laughs> we are, you want that genie in the bottle. <laughs> we we live in a microwave society. We want everything fast. We want to know, like, who, what, where, when, how, when, you know. And I think once you, once you start to let go that resistance of, being in control, because really, at the end of the day, right, that's what it's about. It's about us being in total control of what we want to create. But part of creating the love you, the life you love is about letting go. It's about letting go of your expectations. It's about letting go of the way you think things should happen in your life. It's about letting go of your past pain. Um, in old experiences, because you think about it, we when we experience something of pain or something bad, we reject that feeling. We don't want to ever go back there. We're like, I don't want anything to do with that pain ever again. I'm never going to go there. I'm never going to do this. And we try to separate ourselves so far from that feeling. And so once you can... Let go and understand that, you know what, okay, you felt pain. Okay, you tried that. It didn't work. Okay, it's okay. You can try again. It's okay. You can let go that fear of failure. You can let go that pain, that 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 disappointment, that feeling of, of feeling disappointed and hurt. You can, you can let that go and you can try again, just like, when someone's in a relationship and it doesn't work out and they get married and they say, you know what, I'm never getting married again because this is too much work and it's too much pain when we separate and we divorce. I just don't want to do that again. You know, once you let go of that pain and embrace that pain and say, you know what, it happened. Okay, what did I learn from it? It's okay. You, you know, this person doesn't have to be like that person. We so, we, you know, we're so trained to compare the old with the new, so we try to protect ourselves. So we put ourselves in this little square box, and we say, you know what, I'm never going to feel pain again, so I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to try that again. And so you, 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 what you're doing is you're creating this shield around you, and you're not allowing things to come to you because you created this box of, resistance to pain. Yeah, you yeah, know? big wall, and so you big have, wall. Yeah, you have to let that go. You have to let that wall down. And so once you learn to do that, you learn to realize it's, it's okay, you know. It's okay to keep going. It's okay to keep moving. It's okay to try again, whatever that is. <laughs> whatever that is. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Well, Georgia, you've been quite an inspiration today. You really have. Is there something else you'd like to say in um, in parting with our, our show? In other words, tell our listeners how you can be contacted and what your, um, you know, your coaching programs are, et cetera. Absolutely. I want to share a free gift 
with your audience. Um, it's the five secrets to turn your passion into profit. It's a free guide. Um, they can get that from my website, www.georgiawoodbine.com. They have to put their email in. I'll put their name, and I will get that guide to you immediately. As soon as you put your information in, you will receive that free guide. Um, so that's something that I want to give to your listeners. And oh, wanna, that's wonderful. Yeah, I want to share quick exercise with your with your audience that they can okay right now. Um, so I want them to place an empty glass on their nightstand, and so. This glass is going to have a blank um, index card by your glass and a pencil, and a pencil, okay? Okay. Remind yourself to get up to start each day with an empty glass. So now I'm going to tell you what all these things represent. Okay. So your glass represents your mind. It's full of preconceived knowledge. It's, It's full of prejudices, you don't have room in your life to consider. So it's new ideas, new concepts, and issues that seem to kind of like pass you by. So you have to make room. You have to make room for your mind, the empty glass, for ideas. And in order for you to welcome change with the empty glass, that's the symbol of the change. So you want to approach each day seeking to find the 10% of what you know to be the fact that needs to be updated. So the glass represents the mind. The 3 by 5 index card represents your ideas. And the pencil represents your vision, which can be rewritten, reinvented, and redirected at any time. Wonderful. Yes, this is going to help you get clear on what you want. It's going to help you work towards your goals. And it's going to allow you to let go of past negative emotions that hold you back. So that's something that I want to share with the audience so that they can implement today. I love that. (laughs) That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. So I want to um, spell out your, your name to the audience so they know how to get to your website. So it's Georgia, correct? Woodbine. Yep. Georgia Woodbine.com. That's G E O R G I A W O O D as in David, B as in boy, I N as in Nancy E dot com. Georgia Woodbine.com. You're awesome. Thanks so much for coming Thank on our you. show today. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for me. And thank you for using your gifts and sharing your purpose with the world. <laughs> Love it. Take care. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That wraps up our show for today. It's been a very in- inspirational one by far. Join us again next Wednesday, and we'll have another wonderful guest. Until then, please be well. Bye-bye. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have. 
and follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit gotcancernowwhat.com for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What? 